thank you so much for joining us for our third podcast of 2020. This series of podcasts is covering all different types of well-being conditions. And for this March edition, we're going to recognise World Sleep Day, which falls within March. I've been banging on for years about sleep and the importance of sleep, that it actually underpins all well-being. And I wasn't really surprised when it was one of the most requested topics when I went out kind of last year to find out what people wanted to to be covered. So I'm quite excited to be joined by Aurel Moores from Wellbeing24 today. She's the co-founder and director of Wellbeing24 and she's the workplace and wellbeing consultant. Her role involves liaising with health and wellbeing champions in the workplace and delivering wellbeing programs to employees. And in addition to this, she sees clients on a one-to-one basis supporting their overall wellbeing, which is an essential link to sleep. So it'd be great if you could introduce yourself, Aurel. Thank you, Beth. Um, I'm a registered nutritional therapist and a member of BANT, which is the British Association of Nutritional Therapists. And I also have a special interest in nutrigenetics, which is the relationship between genes, diet and health outcomes. And that can be really interesting, especially with sleep actually as well. Um, I'm also a workplace health and wellbeing consultant uh, for Wellbeing24. And as you said, I work with health and wellbeing champions throughout the um, corporate workplace. Um, my experience involves working with PO Ferries. We run a really successful program, and of course, there's quite a few shift workers there. Mm. Well, they're all shift workers, so sleep plays an integral part to how they function during the day. So that was a really effective program, and we can touch a little bit on how, okay. how that affects sleep later, working all sorts of shifts. Um, my clinical experience um, involves seven years of working with patients on a one-to-one basis over in Berkshire, and I cover everything from adrenal fatigue, IBS, insomnia, weight problems, fibromyalgia, anything basically, all the sort of things that most people would go to the GP for. Um, And I understand the pressures of a corporate environment and the stress that people suffer, Mm. because I used to work for a five-star international hotel company. So I totally get why people are are really exhausted during the day and how things occur. So the reason I think this topic is so important is quite literally on average, on an average night, millions of us are having trouble falling asleep or staying asleep. I actually am quite okay with this. My husband hates it because he can't sleep as well as me and I'm just there (laughs) snoring away next to him and I'll wake up in the morning and goes, oh, did you have a good night's sleep? I'm like, yep, like a log, all the way through, head hits the pillow, wake up, no issues. And he's up and down and he just, yeah, so he gets really irritated by it. But Sleep difficulties really can take a toll on your health and well-being. I only need to have a few really poor nights sleep and I can feel it emotionally, totally. physically, in my muscles, etc. And people who are sleep deprived are more likely to experience poor concentration, irritability, have up accidents and, and even suffer from depression. Um, we deliver employee resilience workshops and in those sessions I always highlight that sleep kind of underpins our well-being. And nothing else is going to really work if we don't get our sleep. So I wanted you as the kind of expert in the room to tell us why you think people are struggling with sleep. Well, there are so many reasons why people can be struggling with sleep. Um, It's not all just down to one thing. People are staying awake due to work. Lifestyle choices is a huge element of that. Shift work, as we just talked about. Um, stress, sleep-related disorders, stimulants such as caffeine, high sugar diets, alcohol, stress, all those things do actually contribute to poor sleep quality, but people don't really understand why, what's what's happening. Um, and sleep is, is far from a passive activity. There's a lot actually going on in your body um, when you go to bed. Um, it's time for complex maintenance across the body. You're replenishing your energy stores, um, regenerating tissues and producing proteins. 
Um, at some points in the night, your brain is actually just as active as it is when you're fully awake. Um, it's really important for neurological processing as well. Um, it can sleep deprivation affects cognitive function. I think you just touched on that. You know, you all know if you have a really late night and you're going to work the next day, you just can't think straight. Mm. You can't even. Some people just can't even speak properly. I know I'm the same. I just can't even put a string a sentence together. <laughs> um, so another thing, you know, driving. Um, when people, I had a patient actually that I was talking to a couple of months ago, and he actually fell asleep at the wheel because he was sleep deprived and crashed the car. Oh. Luckily, he was okay. But you know, there's so many reasons. He'd had a particularly late night. He had a really stressful week, and that's the reason yeah. that you know he he was sleep deprived. That bit about the complex bit, the amount of stuff that goes on at night, it's it is incredible. We actually had a podcast um, in January with Drinkaware on right. the impact of alcohol. On, on generally on you but the biggest thing was that bit about when you go to sleep and you miss your REM quite yes. significantly when you drink that was yeah. really interesting because this is if you're doing all of this stuff obviously we didn't go into the actual science behind it if you're doing all of these things and you're missing out on the time the amount really interesting so mm. <laughs> yeah. one in three of us actually suffers from poor, poor sleep and as you mentioned you've got stress computers taking work home these are some of the things that are often blamed what do we actually mean, though, by good quality sleep? And how would we know? Because everyone always says to me, oh, yeah, you need nine hours, or you need eight, or you need six. I, I, I thought I needed nine hours. And then I had a Fitbit, and I realised, actually, I was surviving on seven and a half, eight. And actually, that was fine for me. Yeah. That was that was meant... And I kind of, you know, you dig into it. Is it about the amount? Is it about the quality? Like, what is it about sleep how do you know what you yeah. need to get i think it's a combination of all those things really there's no really set right amount and what we do within functional medicine is um it's about biochemical individuality everybody is completely different i'm sure we all know that person that can get by on five hours sleep margaret thatcher wasn't it yes that's right <laughs> margaret thatcher and we also know that person that can't survive unless they get nine or ten hours yeah. um so it really depends on on how people feel you know if if you, if you survive on seven hours and then you're refreshed in the morning and you feel good, like you just said, then that's all you need. Mm. If you feel that this isn't enough for you, you just go by how you feel, basically. Um, Bant recommends that adults have seven to, to nine hours per night and you get to bed ideally before midnight. So that touched on what we just mentioned. Um, however, figures show that less than half of British adults are getting six hours or less per night. Mm. Now, that is frightening with a, with a more than a quarter of those experiencing poor sleep on a regular basis so the benchmark is how do you feel when you wake up do you feel refreshed and ready for the day or are you foggy and, and feel like you need to go back to bed um, and can you function through the day without wanting to nod off um, and that is a is another separate issue which can be due due to blood sugar dysregulation as well so there could be two things that people are actually getting mixed up but we I think we're going to touch on that in another podcast later on in the year yeah Okay, I feel like a lot of people are going to be saying, "I can." I'm experiencing this. I don't want to get up. Yes, I heard once that actually, if you if your alarm goes off and you don't want to get up, then you're you should probably you've not had enough. Sleep. Yeah, that that makes sense, really. Yeah, it does make sense. But I mean, that could be said if my alarm goes off at nine or eight in the morning. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> I just want to some people just want to lie in bed all day, right? <laughs> so. You know, obviously, you don't sleep. If you don't sleep, you can feel grumpy. You can't feel at your best. Those are kind of quite well-known things. 
but sleep deprivation can also have consequences on on your physical health. I I mean I touched on this just yesterday when I was doing a session and I listed all of these different ailments that you can have from not having good sleep. But I don't think most people realize that. You just want to share what other impact you can have. Yeah, I mean people you're right. People um don't think about the impact of not having enough sleep. Um, poor sleep can disrupt metabolism. That's you know how your body functions. It's linked to obesity, depression, cardiovascular disease, high blood pressure, diabetes, and impaired memory and mood. Now some people might think, well, how can that how can that be? But you know we are in the middle of a sleep loss epidemic. Um, and if you think if you're sleep deprived, um, it's very common the next day to crave the wrong foods. You know, yeah. so you crave carbohydrates, you want sugary things, you crave caffeine to keep you awake or you think it's going to keep you awake. All those things, or, or possibly not so great choices, lead you into this vicious circle of which can cause illness and um, obesity, cardiovascular disease, all those things that we've just touched on, really. Um, and insomnia is the most commonly reported mental health problem in the UK, affecting up to a third of the population at some point in their lives. Um, and nearly 95% of people with insomnia reported low energy levels in their daily lives compared with 40% of good sleepers. Um, diet and lifestyle choices can have a huge impact on how well we sleep each night. So you've got to be careful not to get onto that hamster wheel, basically. So I've been on a night out. Basically, it's not necessarily the booze that's making me make poor food choices. It's because I'm tired. Correct. Or, or a bit of both, probably. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And it's, yeah, sometimes you think when you've got a really bad hangover and you feel exhausted the next day, it's actually down to the alcohol. Yeah. But quite often it's down to lack of sleep as well. Yeah. 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 I mean, to be fair, when I don't drink and I still have a late night, you can still have exactly the same same effects yeah but you can't guarantee that you're gonna have a good night's sleep though so i suppose it's having that awareness that actually this is i am making these poor food choices or, or making these decisions or acting like this because it's bad sleep and and maybe not worrying too much about it or focusing on it i suppose that's very true because i mean you, you're never going to know whether you're going to have a good night's sleep or not and for instance not many people know that caffeine actually has um, a half-life of six hours so if you have, um, if you've had a generally what four to six caffeine, whether it be tea or coffee during the day, and your last one's eight o'clock at night, imagine that buildup of caffeine mm. in your system. And caffeine is stimulatory, so that's going to keep you awake at night. Yeah. Yeah. And if your blood sugar is is all over the place, it's got blood sugar dysregulation. Then what can happen is that um, you get this dip in the middle of the night, and all of a sudden, have you ever had that experience where you sort of wake up bolt upright? That's cortisol coming in to say. Hold on, her energy levels are low. Your cortisol doesn't know whether you're asleep or awake. Let's help. Let's help her. So you just you just spike straight up again because your blood sugar has dipped so low. Sometimes it's just a matter of just regulating um, what you're eating. You know, an oat cake with some nut butter or something before you go to bed, and that stabilizes everything, and you can sleep. Mm. I had a client um, like that. And she was taking antihistamine every night to get her to go to sleep. I took her off the antihistamine, gave her a snack about she was eating at five o'clock, gave her a. Uh, couple of oat cakes with some nut butters and she emailed me about a week later said i've had my first good night's sleep i've had in years oh, wow. just because it was down to blood sugar dysregulation really interesting i don't have any of those issues myself i'll have a nice herbal tea before i go to bed but then end up waking up in the middle of the night needing to go to the toilet so sometimes i don't even take them because they just 
<laughs> my husband loves herbal tea. Yeah. But you're right about that coffee thing. I, I mean, I tend to only have a maximum two coffees a day, for example, and then I can't have any more because it's just yeah, it's too stimulatory. It's yeah. too, too yeah. it riles me up too much. I'm yeah. too I'm too crazy. Crazy. I hate that word. I'm too I'm too you're enthusiastic too already. <laughs> I don't need any more. Um. So I mean, you mentioned to me about some some different studies and things. It'd be interesting for you to share. Yeah. What's going um, on? There was a really interesting study done last year. It only had um, 24 people. It was um, for 24 women. And basically, it examined the effects of one night of sleep curtailment on... So the effects that would have on hunger, food cravings, food reward, which we just touched on, and portion size selection. So um, basically, the, the criteria was all women um, and who were generally sleeping seven to nine hours sleep per night, Age between 18 and 55, they weren't obese and no sleep disorders. Um, and basically the group was split into two and had a normal night's sleep, which was seven to nine hours. And then the other group had a curtailed night's sleep, which was 33% less. So basically if you normally have nine hours sleep, then you have six. Right. If you have seven hours sleep, then you have sort of five. So you, you're dropping a couple of hours. And the areas that they measured were hunger, tiredness, sleep quality, sleepiness and food cravings. And they actually used a, an electrocephalogram. So they put the um, all the wires on the head to, to monitor how well they were sleeping. The food reward was actually they used chocolates, which is a brilliant idea to assess how, how people rewarded themselves. So um, the sleep, I said the sleep duration was measured using the ECG. So for the deprived participants, those that had between five and, and seven hours, um, their sleep overall was shorter. And these participants reported increased hunger, tiredness, more sleepiness and more food cravings. And interestingly, the ones that um, didn't have such a good night's sleep consumed way more chocolates during the next day than the other people. So in conclusion, the present study, <coughs> sorry, this study observed all of those things, increased hunger, food cravings, food rewards and portion sizes. So people were going for bigger portion sizes yeah. as well. So in conclusion, yes. Basically, what this study shows is that it leads to food cravings, food reward, uh, portion sizes, or making the wrong choices for portion sizes. And um, it just goes to show that knocking back onto the next day, how you can make poor decisions all throughout the day. And if, if you carry on every day like that, then it's going to take you the wrong way. So basically, this is just more more fuel for the fire, more yes. fuel for getting the good night's sleep fire. We've kind of set the expectations of, this is what we need. We need to be getting good night's sleep. A lot of people aren't getting good night's sleep. There's going to be lots of different reasons why we've talked about the fact that there's going to probably be something to do with stress and to do with work and to do with the foods and the drinks that we're having um, during the day that are impacting on how we can sleep at night. So I have some key things that I kind of recommend to clients, but in your experience, what are the top tips that you would give? You might be interested to know that actually our Be Well Bite Size recommendation for um, customers this month is actually to challenge their staff to listen to a sleep focused podcast to see if that kind of helps or improves their sleep. Yeah. Is there any other tips that you would be giving? Well, there's, there's lots of tips. Yeah, I think that's a really good idea. There's, I think there's apps like Calm. That's a really good app because there's so many different things on there. There's music, there's storytelling and, you know, as an adult, who tells us a story anymore? That's the last thing. So it naturally takes us back to when we were younger and it just helped us relax and refocuses our brain so we're not thinking about all the busy things um, that have gone on during the day. Another tip actually would be to 
um, if you have a what I call a busy brain, just to put like a little pad next to your bed with a pen and write down all those things that are going through your brain. So you, you can just empty your brain onto the pad and then just see them there in the morning. So that will help mm. you or should help you to sleep as well. Um, other sort of things include um, sleep in a darkened room. That really helps. Many people now go to bed and they're on Facebook, they're on Instagram, and they're constantly doing messages. These are all stimulatory, and the blue lights is just, it's not healthy at all. So I would actually say take those things out of the room or switch them off. I know it's very, very difficult, but if you're having trouble sleeping, then it does help just to remove those things. Television, okay, you could fall asleep if you're tired enough, but if you have, there's two types, there's the type that, fall, that have trouble falling asleep, then those people that fall asleep then wake up in the middle of the mm. night. So you kind of need to determine which type you are first. If you're one of those that has difficulty falling asleep, then you need to remove as much stimuli yeah. from your room as possible. Have a nice bath with Epsom salts. Epsom salts is basically magnesium. Magnesium is a vasodilator. That means it, it um, opens the arteries. So it's a natural relaxant, also very good for headaches. So that's a good thing to have. Um, take regular exercise as well. Um, but you know, not before bed. Right, right not directly. Okay. Unless you're yeah. going to do yoga or Pilates or something, which is sort of slower and, you, and and slows everything down. But yeah, sort of probably from at least three hours ahead of bedtime, mm -hmm. basically. Um, eat foods rich in tryptophan. Tryptophan really helps with those pathways. So things like turkey, chicken breast, um, legumes, including butter beans, black beans, cottage cheese, eggs, bananas, all that type of thing. I wouldn't have a banana straight before you go to bed because that can peak your um, your blood sugar as well. So flax seeds, all those type of things. Um, foods rich in melatonin. So melatonin is the hormone that is released as when it starts to go dark. Um, so melatonin is, is naturally released and that helps us to become sleepy. Um, Montmorency cherries, those cherries specifically are very good in helping us to release um, melatonin. Where do you get them from? You can, well, you can either... You can actually get them as juices. There's a couple of um, suppliers that do them as juices or as tablets. So quite often I recommend those to our patients as well. Um, but you have to be careful with the actual juice because it's quite heavy in sugar. Right. So, um, but that is a natural relaxant. So that's a really good thing to have probably about an hour before bedtime. Um, ditch the stimulants. So we talked about that earlier. So caffeine um, stays in your system for oh, half-life is up to six hours. So just move to herbal teas um, if you can, or decaf, but even with decaf, there's still gonna be some caffeine in there. Um, also diet pills, that type of thing. Soft drinks, you know, how many people drink Coke and Pepsi and Fanta during the day? Um, Coke and Pepsi, those sort of drinks are full of caffeine and full of stimulants, so move away from those. Um, and also avoid eating heavy meals before bedtime, because your body actually needs to digest those foods. Mm. So, you know, have something light before bed. You know, if you have dinner or supper between five and seven, try not to have anything heavier after that. Um, so I think, yeah, those are my top tips. I've definitely struggled to sleep when I've had a big, like, big yeah. dinner. <laughs> I mean, Sunday roasts, you can have a nice afternoon nap after a Sunday yeah, roast. But definitely. having the, 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 like, you just eat late and then you eat a massive amount. I'm thinking, really, an Indian takeaway when you've gone in on the rice and the naans and everything, and then you kind of lay in bed thinking, well, I'm never going to sleep that. It hurts, you're uncomfortable. Yeah. It's, you know, that horrible feeling. And I think that whole, what we, we take our bodies for granted so much. And if you think about the digestion process, um, the you're eating a, an Indian takeaway or whatever takeaway, and then you just get in and then you slump on the sofa and go to bed. That doesn't help your body digest. 
you know, lying <laughs> flat. That's not how we're supposed to digest. Yeah. You need to sort of be upright and moving around and then let the body do its natural, uh, have its natural rhythm and let the peristalsis happen, which is actually pushing the food through the gut. And it's very difficult to do when, when you're lying down. Yeah. So, yeah, um, not, not necessarily a great thing to have. So the things that I'm thinking about here, summarising all of those key points, because you've just given so many excellent suggestions of what we need to be thinking about. Exercise, obviously exercise is really good. It helps to manage our anxiety, keeps keeps us healthy. It will improve your sleep as well. But obviously try not to do it before bed. If you are going to do something before bed, something like yoga, Pilates, something a little right. bit more relaxing. But the exercise is a, is a key, key factor. Yes. Second piece is thinking about our what we're we taking in so coffees teas maybe having a cut off point at kind of midday something like that in order to just stop those stimulants coming into our body thinking about energy drinks fizzy drinks that sort of stuff um obviously our diet the foods that we're eating what sort of things that might be useful for us to be eating as well because you mentioned those um cherries and making sure that you're not having too big of meals before you go to bed but also that you're not hungry when you're going to bed so that you're kind of getting that stimulation to wake up because you're probably rather peckish um and then you've got that bit about listening to to an app having some kind of you know relaxation piece so we've got the be well bite size that people could be looking at and mentioned the car map with the storytelling so on and so forth and then thinking about having that notebook by your bed. I think that's a really great mm. idea. I've, I've used it years ago when I used to do case management. I used to recommend people do that kind of thing. Or the other piece kind of getting out of bed. If, you, if you're not sleeping, don't stay there. Yes. Wide awake. Because yes. it becomes a, it comes almost like a, a trigger to be like in bed you don't sleep. Very so true. Remove, moving yourself away from, from there. But having that notepad. And actually my stepdaughter many years ago, she just went through a small little blip of not being able to sleep. And so I used to leave her a notepad and pen. Sometimes right. she would just wake up, have a scribble, even scribbling down the dreams or the thoughts that she was having. Yeah. And then that would kind of clear their mind. And I think that really, really works. Yes. Um, I've got up before in the middle of the night because I was getting loads of thoughts. Oh my goodness, how am I going to work this out? What am I going to do? And I thought, do you know what? Don't keep laying in worrying. Get up, got up, logged on, fixed the problem. And then that was it. Like the yes. issue was gone. And yeah. it was much more effective than just laying worrying. Yeah. So kind of, kind of having that piece as well. Um, are there any other recommendations? The, the other one um, I think is really important that people don't consider enough is what I touched on earlier. If you're having an early tea with the kids at 5.30, 6 o'clock or even at 7 o'clock um, and you're maybe having a piece of cake or some dessert or something, something sugary, um, it's likely, or even if you're having a snack later on, like chocolate or sweeties or something sweet or even something very carby, um, then your blood sugar is going to rise. You're going to feel great. You're going to get that energy boost, which a lot of people want at the end of the day. Um, but you will crash because um, your blood sugar level will come down. And that is when um, the cortisol will kick in from the adrenals and possibly wake you up at night quite often does and that's that's very common but people can't figure out why they think they have insomnia but it's a simple fix so have that little snack with an oat cake or something with a bit of protein a bit of turkey chicken nut butter a bit of cheese even a couple of oat cakes and that will just flatten everything down okay should make a difference and probably just try and make a concerted effort to actually you know if you've got an early morning make sure that you go to bed that little bit earlier have your bedtime routine whether that be at a certain time or a certain process that you go through 
to get your body and your mind prepared yes. for that bedtime. I think that's yeah. really important. But obviously, that if you, you like you said, know how much time you actually need to sleep for. If if it's actually seven seven and a half hours, makes you feel like wait, like you said, you said wake up, you feel foggy, or you want a nap all day. Yes. You've not had enough sleep, so yeah. know what your amount of sleep is, and try and get that every night as that's much right. as you can. And if obviously you've got an early start try and go to bed that little bit earlier and yeah. just give yourself the opportunity because you're not even being fair to yourself if you're not trying. That's very true. And also, it's also helpful. So many people got Fitbits these days. And if you are concerned about your sleep, the Fitbit is a really good way to actually monitor your sleep, mm. how well you're doing. Yeah. So um, it's worthwhile thinking about that. The Fitbit doesn't make you sleep better. The Fitbit makes you more aware yes, of what right. sleep you are or not having. Yes. And as a result, you can kind of set yourself goals. The, 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 up, the upgrade recently for Fitbit has been grading your sleep, hasn't it? So that's a really okay, good one. It says it's been done fair, yeah. good, excellent. Um, and so you can really get a good snapshot yeah. of, of what you're doing. I think the thing is not to overthink it as well. People, yeah. You can get obsessed with, oh, I had a really bad night's sleep. And if, if you're a poor sleeper, the tendency is to, to want to get obsessed with it. Another thing can be, um, you know, people will go to the chemist and buy the, the I think they call calms as well, um, sleeping um, medication that you can get over the counter. Some people, sometimes there's something in that that pe- doesn't agree with people mm. and it actually doesn't help you at all. So just be um, mindful of that. Try the try the try the try mindfulness. The try the calms like the calm down yes. piece. The apps. I'm so the Montmorency cherries. Try the, yeah. cher- try the cherries, yeah. but not not really, really uh, sugary cherries yeah. when you're going to be stimulated. So it's loads and loads of different bits that we can kind of trial uh, and work on. And just, you know, be mindful of what you're doing through the day because that will really impact making those healthy choices. If you haven't had the greatest night's sleep, making the healthy choices instead of reaching for those stimulants because actually you're then just feeding the cycle. Exactly, yeah. Thank you so much for all that insight. Oriel's actually going to be back in June for a Healthy Eating Week podcast. We've covered quite a few bits about diet already, but we're going to be talking all things diet and lifestyle specifically then. So join us for that one. But actually what I'd like to say is join us next month where we're going to have a podcast from Jonathan Garner, Mind Over Tech, and where we're going to be looking at the importance of technology and well-being. So remember, if you like this podcast, please give it a like and a share and have a good day and a good night's sleep. Thank you very much.